Lovely to be with you again. Randolph prayed for me that you would hear the voice of God. Did you hear him pray that? Well, I didn't pray that. That somehow that God would speak to you. I want to share some thoughts this morning with you on hearing the voice of God. I've heard some Christians say, God never speaks to me. Uh, some people say God speaks to them all the time. as though they don't even get out of bed and God's already started speaking to them. So we've got this, this wide... Uh, idea that God either never speaks to the Christian and they never hear him and God even tells them what colour socks to put on in the morning or something like that so, so what, what we're going to look at is this whole concept of, of God speaking how does God speak have you heard the voice of God yet didn't recognise it was the voice of God or is it so obvious that when God speaks you're without doubt that's the sort of thing I want to look at I thought about God speaking, I thought I need to change that word, the voice of God, because uh, you understand what voice is, you hear it. God doesn't usually speak in that way, that you hear his voice. A better word that God speaking to us is God communing, communing with us. Uh, the, the word commune is an exchange of thoughts and emotions. Can I say what God does? He doesn't speak, or very rarely speaks audibly to us, but he communes with us. He, commune, he, he conveys his thoughts and his emotions directly into our hearts. Okay, that might make things a bit clearer. Maybe I have heard God more than I thought I had. The way that we communicate is we speak. It's very mechanical. I've got a voice and you've got two ears. And uh, I speak and you hear. And it's very basic. God has a far more superior way of speaking to us. If he's really pushed, he lowers himself to speak in the way that we would hear. But normally he communicates to our spirit. He communicates his emotions to our heart. And our heart have both ears and eyes. Ears to see and eyes to hear. When we placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> did I say that backwards? No, I was saying it, and then when I said it, it sounded right, and I thought, I wonder if I said that backwards. No, it's very good. You're very smooth. Well, at least you're all listening. That's pretty good. And that was spread right across the hall. So good stuff, good stuff. You see how it can be so wrong. It's so mechanical. It's so basic. God, when he speaks, it's never wrong. And we tune in, and we understand completely what God is saying. That was a good slip, wasn't it? Really well, well. So when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he sent his Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside of us. We know this. Uh, when he rose from the dead and he met them in the upper room, he said he breathed on them. And they received his Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God has come into every person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. 
You didn't have to ask for it. He came. He came and dwelt inside of you. And that Holy Spirit, we're told, is the counsellor. He explains the words of God to us. Um, He is the spirit of truth. So we understand clearly the truth. Because there are many voices that would confuse us. But when we listen to the Spirit of God, he speaks truth to our hearts. And can I suggest that he is the translator of the voice of God? So God could speak something into your life, into your heart, but it takes the Holy Spirit to translate the meaning of what God is saying. Without the Holy Spirit doing the work, we might see, as it were, in a way that this is God speaking, and we might hear in our hearts that he's trying to say something, but we need the activity of the Holy Spirit to tell us, to translate for us what is being said. I want to put some proposals to you this morning, taken from several verses in Scripture where it says God speaks to us. The first one is found in uh, Matthew 4 and verse 4. It's the occasion where Jesus is in the wilderness, led of the Spirit. And remember, the first temptation is to turn the stones into bread. And this is what Jesus says to the Spirit, to to the evil spirit, to, to Satan. He says, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, just just think, allow the Holy Spirit, you see, to tell you what that means. The danger is, we allow our intellect to tell us what that means. Now, that's never meant to happen. You say, well, I've got a smart intellect, I'll use it. I don't care how smart it is. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Whichever thought you have, how intelligent it is or smart it is, it isn't good enough. So I said, Lord, what do you really mean by this? I'm just putting this forward as a proposal. Just as you eat food, bread, every day, and more than once a day, often, two or three times a day, to sustain our physical strength so that we can be preserved in our life. He says, you need to hear the word of God daily on a continual basis so that I might preserve your spiritual being the real person who you are and I might deepen your relationship with God so we eat continually but we don't feed upon his words continually we can go a whole day and have not given them a thought And if it goes to two days and three days, we starve ourselves spiritually. Just as man needs to eat bread, he needs to hear the voice of God. In John 10, 3 to 5, uh, it's the story about the shepherd and the flock. This is what I spoke about last time I came, about the good shepherd and the flock. His words, can I say, are unmistakable... And they are compelling, but they can be resisted. The words of God are unmistakable. They are compelling, but they can be resisted. In John 10, then, 3 to 5, it says, The watchman, he opens the gate for him, that is the good shepherd, 
and his sheep listen to his voice. It is as though they have no option. It is as though you now, a sheep, a child of God, you don't have any option when God speaks. The voice is there. You can't, you can't stop your ears from hearing the voice of God. He says he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. It is the most natural thing then to hear the voice of God and to follow what God is saying into our hearts. It is the most natural thing. It says the sheep follow him because they know his voice. So you know when God is speaking. You know the voice of God. But they will not follow a stranger because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. See, the Holy Spirit within, when God speaks, it focuses us on the words of God. And we follow. We can choose not to. We can resist because he's given us a freedom to choose whether we want to do it. It's as though we have no option. We hear his voice, we recognize his voice, and we follow his voice. Then in Matthew 13, Jesus is teaching on the parable of the sower and the seed. There's loads in there about hearing the voice of God. I just want to pick a few of the things that are said there. Can I remind you that he speaks mysteries and secrets? He doesn't speak in plain English. He doesn't. He speaks in a way, and we'll, we'll maybe have some suggestions why he doesn't speak in plain English. He speaks in mysteries and secrets. He's speaking only to his children, and his children who have the Holy Spirit in them, the Holy Spirit, as we work with the Holy Spirit, he conveys the mysteries and secrets that God wants to tell us. He said, to you, talking of his, his followers, to you it has been given to know the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. If your Bible says something different, that's in uh, Matthew 13, uh, 11. I, I took that from the Amplified. To you he has been given to know the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom. See, a person outside of God have not accepted Christ, the gospel makes no sense. In fact, you've shared it with some people and they go, it's nonsense, I don't know what you're talking about. Because they understand the words, but it doesn't dawn on them as a reality, as a truth. You have to have the Spirit of God make it plain to you that it is the Word of God. Secrets and mysteries conveying the heart and mind of God. The thoughts and emotions of God. Then he goes on to say in Matthew 12 and 13, and then I took this from the Amplified, Matthew 13 and verse 12, for whoever has, that is whoever has spiritual knowledge, whoever has this awareness, this ability, the presence of the Holy Spirit within, to whoever has this spiritual knowledge, to him more will be given. And he will be furnished richly, it says, so that he will have in abundance. So God speaks and we welcome it into our hearts. And because we're open and want to, you know, he gives us more and more and more. 
The idea being, if we shut it off, and we don't want to hear the voice of God, or we don't put ourselves in the place where we can, it dries up. To those that have, God gives more. Remember the, the, the story that Jesus told, the parable of those that he gave uh, talents to. Uh, one man gave five, and one he gave two, and the other he gave one. And the man who got five, he doubled it to ten, remember? And the one who received two, he doubled it to four. But the one who got the one, he totally misunderstood the kingdom, and he buries it. So Jesus takes it off him in the story, and who does he give it to? The one, ah, the one who had ten. You go, oh, I thought Jesus was so kind, you would have given it to the one that had five, so he would have had six, and the other one would have had ten. No, 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 no. He gives it to the one who has the most. See, the more you're open, the more you'll get. The more you're closed, in the end you won't get anything. It's a principle of the kingdom. You've got to be hungry. You know, like the baby sits in the high chair and just says, more, 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 more. That's how we should be with God. To want more of him. To hear him more. And finally, in this particular passage in Matthew 13, 16, Jesus said, blessed are your eyes because they see, and blessed are your ears because they hear. He's not talking about these ears and these eyes. But the eyes of our heart, he says, they're blessed if they're hearing and listening to the things of God. We always have a responsibility with God. One of the big responsibilities we have is to learn how to listen and how to see when God is doing something. To get ourselves tuned in, as it were. So we can hear and see, not with these, but with our heart. What is this language that God speaks? I said it was a mystery. It is secrets. What is it then? A language that can only be interpreted to God's children. You see how privileged you are. Not everyone hears God. Not everyone sees God. That's why they say, he's ridiculous what you're saying. He does not exist. They cannot hear nor see him. But we can. We can. That's why you're here this morning. You desire God to speak to you more. You desire to hear God. Not only here, but every day of our lives, we need God to speak. I've discovered in reading this Bible for a while now... God seems to speak in parables. Mm-hmm. He speaks um, in metaphors. He speaks in shadows, in pictures, in types. In fact, the whole of the Old Testament, what's he really talking about in all these stories? Who is he talking about? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus, isn't he? He's foreshadowing Jesus. And people say, the whole of the Old Testament is a picture or pictures or many pictures of Jesus. It is the foreshadowing of Jesus. But you don't read his name there in the Old Testament. See, that's how God speaks. In metaphors, in pictures, in parables. When Jesus taught, he taught them in parables, stories. Because it's the language of God. The secret, mysterious 
language of God. Why does he do this? Some suggestions. Number one, we know then it's God. Linda gets up this morning and talks about cracked pots. What on earth are you going on about, Linda? See, she's talking in the mysterious language of God. What did you get from that? Somebody suggests what they got from what Linda was saying. I hope they were listening, Linda, otherwise it's going to be really embarrassing for you and me. That God, God values everybody. Okay. God values everybody. Okay. Now, she did explain that. Would you have got that if she hadn't explained it? Would you have somehow sussed that out? I would have done. I think you would have done. Who would have helped you suss it out? The Holy Spirit of God, who dwells with inside you. We do it all the time. All the songs, well, most of the songs that we sing, they're in that secret, mysterious language. Going deeper into the water, we sang about this morning. Well, I'm not getting in any water. I don't even get in the sea at Hastings. I'm not going to a swimming pool ever. I'm not going deeper into any sort of water. I don't even get in a bath because I like showers. So me getting into deep waters is nonsense. But he's not talking about that, is he? See, he's talking about coming deeper into me until I'm totally engulfed in the things of God, that I'm drowning in God. Mm -hmm. You knew that. You knew you weren't singing about water. Of course you didn't. Mm -hmm. See the mysteries of the secrets of God for his people. That's how he talks to us. God speaks not to our heads because our heads get in the way. God speaks to the heart. (laughs) I prayed for many people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Those that struggle, it's because often they get their head in the way of receiving the Spirit and then being able to speak in tongues. Their head gets in the way. God says, listen, I have to bypass the head and go directly to the heart and you hear and see with the eyes of the heart and then we can commune. Mm. It is the Holy Spirit who interprets God's words, not our mind. When you get your mind to start working out what's best, it might be sanctified. You might come up with the same solution of, that God has, but it's dangerous, so don't do it. Don't do it. You say, oh, this is common sense. That's the whole problem. It's common sense. I don't want common sense unless it's the sense of God. I want to hear what God's saying. We go through many deep waters we go through the valley of the shadow of death where we could fear evil but we hear the voice of God put one foot in front of the other how long am I walking through this valley don't worry about that just walk with me the voice of God speaks to us in our hearts a peace a peace it says that passes all understanding That's the voice of God in your heart. (coughs) I'll give you some examples from the Bible. 
Do you remember when David did a wicked, wicked thing? And uh, he was walking on his, on his rooftop and he sees Bathsheba bathing in a, a building opposite. Now, how that was all set up, don't worry about it anyway. That's what he sees. Of course, he fancies having a relationship with her. He's the king. Um, he somehow got himself into a place where he knows and feels he's different from everyone else. He's already had six wives and children with all of these women. And he's got concubines as well. Those are not like wives, but they're women that you have because you take them into your household and you promise to look after them and their offspring. Their offspring become your offspring, though, although these women never become your wives. But it was permissible. It's not permissible with God. God says we want monogamous relationships and not this. Anyway, they got themselves into this place. But he does a terrible thing, doesn't he? Remember, uh, the husband of Bathsheba is the captain of his soldiers. So when he comes home one day, he tries to get the wife who is now pregnant through David to sleep with her husband and then make out the baby that she's carrying is her husband's and not his crafty, isn't he? How the mind is working. This is a man who has a heart after God. You have to work out what that means, don't you? Because he is such an honourable soldier, he thinks, my men are out there in the battlefield, I've come home, there's no way I'm going to sleep with my wife. And so David plots to have him murdered. Murdered, yes. So he sends him into the heat of the battle, so that he will be killed. God's not pleased. God can't seem to speak to David. David thinks he's fine. Everything he does is permissible and all right. So he sends the prophet. Uh, if I was the prophet, uh, I would have been a bit apprehensive. But I know I had special position in front of him. I'd have told him straight, that which you've done is disgusting. You've killed this woman just because you've, you wanted the wife. What are you going to do about this? He doesn't say that, does he, Nathan? Listen to what Nathan says. It's in, um, it's in 2 Samuel 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one ewe lamb he had brought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children, it shared his food, it drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveller who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who would come to him. What do you feel about that? Tell me what you feel. What feeling do you have? Outrageous. Outrageous. Oh, yes. You're very nice. You just said angry. It's worse than angry. You think something should be done to that. That's such an evil, terrible thing to do. Outrageous. Outrageous. See, God is speaking to the heart of David. His passions are raised. 
He knows this is the voice of God. He sees and hears something with the ears and eyes of his heart that says, what does he say? Do you know what he says? Listen to this. <laughs> David burned with anger. Ooh, he was so enraged. He might have gone red. He was burning. Enraged against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. I think God got through, yes? Amen. Let's read on now. He must pay for the land four times over because he did such a thing and he had no pity. He doesn't realise God's speaking to him. So he needs a translator, an interpreter. Very similar to how you need a translator, an interpreter in your life, who is the Holy Spirit. Nathan just says it. You are the man. <gasps> see, once it's interpreted by the Spirit, he doesn't only see the emotion, the thought, and the anger of God at what he's done. He realizes, this is me. That's how God speaks. That's how God's been speaking throughout time and eternity in pictures, in syllables in parables, in pictures in Genesis 41 we have another example of this uh, God is going to send a famine on the nation of Egypt to fulfil the purposes of God it says in this in uh, 41 verse 1 of Genesis <coughs> when two full years had passed Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the river bank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt, they ate up the seven sleek cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. Why didn't just God tell him what he was going to do? That's not how God speaks. Very seldom that he speaks in words of syllables that we understand. Now, he knows it's God without a shadow of a doubt. He can't speak. He's troubled because he knows that God has spoken, but he doesn't know what God has said. He needs an interpreter, a translator, someone who can explain it. So he calls his own sorcerers to him, and he tells them the dream, and they go, we can't fathom this. And we know the story how... Joseph comes into his presence and he says, Joseph, you tell me what the dream means. You can, you can uh, translate dreams. And he says, no, I can't. Only God can translate dreams. But I'll go and ask my God what he means. And of course, he knows what he means. It's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. See, God speaks in pictures and visions. He speaks in metaphors. Jesus did the same thing. He didn't only speak parables, stories, but even when he was explaining things, he still used metaphor. At one stage in the upper room, they got very frustrated with this metaphor talk. And Jesus spoke plainly to them and they said, well, at last you've spoken plainly to us. We understand what you're talking about. You're always in metaphor. But the words of God come to us in metaphor, in picture. So he says this. 
This is in Matthew 12, 43 and 45. It's talking about how spirits invade our bodies. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Trust you, Phil. Pick this as an example. Never mind, moving on. Okay. When the evil spirit came out of the man, it goes through arid places. The author, I says, deserts. Okay, so we've got the, the picture in our form now. Spirit coming out, it's going around in the desert, an arid place, seeking rest and finding, uh, and, and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. So our bodies become houses where evil spirits dwell. I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied. No one's living in the house. It is swept clean. It is in order, just as it, what it was like when the spirit was sent out and it was now free, and, but nothing had been put in there. It was still empty. The person should have put something in the house, but they never then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and they live there. See, so speaks in metaphors. And so the Spirit of God interprets the metaphor for us because we are the children of God. And we know in Revelation, the whole of Revelation is a dream, isn't it? It says something like this in Revelation 1.10, On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit... I think that's like he was something like in a trance. He was going to receive a vision, which is like a dream, but when you're awake. I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet. And he said, write on the scroll what you see. It's seeing, you see, and hearing. The voice comes like a trumpet. Write down what you see. <coughs> this seeing... It's the same and as important as the hearing, the voice of God. A prophecy, a dream, a metaphor, a vision, all speaking directly into the heart of a believer. That's how God speaks. Here we go. Oh, I get it. Shouldn't ask God to speak to me anymore? No. Do you think he will ever stop speaking to you? If you brought a child into the world, would you just ignore the child all day? <laughs> Come on, the child will grow up. Know nothing, it won't be loved, it won't know anything, it won't be able to do anything, it won't be able to communicate. You talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk until they talk, then you wish you'd never told them that to talk and they never yeah. shut up. But that's how it works. You communicate principles to your children. You communicate life values to your children. You communicate all these things by the conversation that you have. Be careful you don't despise prophecy. See, God wanted to prophesy this morning amongst us. This is a spirit-filled, charismatic church, whatever that means to you. So why didn't we hear the voice of God and speak it out? Why didn't we do that? Um, there are reasons. I know you have them. But God wants to speak, doesn't he? Paul, when he teaches on it, he's emphasising the fact there's too much of it going on. We need to calm things down a little bit. Do you listen to your dreams? Or do you discount them? I've started to listen to my dreams. 
I've started to ask God to speak to me in dreams. After all, he spoke to his people in dreams over 20 times in the Bible. So he just might want to speak to you in a dream. Ask him to. Go to bed with a notepad and a pencil. And say, speak to me, God. Speak to me. Write it down. It's there. That's how we spoke to Pharaoh. Do you misunderstand the metaphors of God? When God speaks to you and shows you things, do you discount them? I've seen things, discounted it, then some things happened and I thought, I see God was trying to say something to me. God was trying to talk to me, but I discounted that God would speak in that particular way. God is speaking all the time. He made us so he could communicate to us. The fact that he wouldn't speak to us just doesn't make logical sense to us, let alone anything else. Make sure you've not shut down your spiritual channels. Keep them open. Keep them open. The eyes and the ears of your heart that you might hear and see what God is saying. In our desire to hear more, we will receive in abundance, he says. Sometimes our thoughts and our agendas, it robs us of hearing what God is saying. Muller, I like Muller, some of you know that. When Muller had an idea, he never trusted it. Muller would go into prayer and he would present a piece of blank paper on the table in front of him. And he said, God, this is my idea that I've got in my head. I don't know if it came from you, I don't know if it's my idea, but I choose to set that idea aside, and I need you now to talk to me about this thing I'm praying about. And he was open to God telling him how it should be happened, or whether it should happen at all, or in what steps it should happen, or what part he was to play, and he would write it down. But he wanted to hear what God had to say. It appears that God doesn't push his thoughts onto us. He doesn't make us do things. I don't think his love permits it. But what he wants you to do is put your thoughts and ideas to one side that he might give you his thoughts and ideas. It might be like yours, similar to yours. It might even be the same as yours. (coughs) You've, You've got to hear it. Let's take some practice. Because we're arrogant, you know. And we're proud. And we think we know best. And we've got years of experience. And we've been there before. And we've seen it before. And we oh, myself, until I'm sick of the sound of my own voice. Okay, you might have been there before. And God might have done that before. And he might have done this. But it doesn't mean he's going to do it again. He's going to do it the way that you want him to do it either. So we have to lay our thoughts, our ideas, on one side. Not that they're bad, it just might not be God's. See, we'll think about often what seems possible, but God relishes the impossible. So it's almost like if you think of it and it's impossible, you're probably on the right track, but that's God. It's possible that that's God. Because there are no impossibilities to God. How are we going to afford this? How can we ever do that? How will this ever happen? God loves that. Just, just put your possibilities away. And say, God, speak to me. 
finally, the language of the Spirit. How many ways does God speak to us? Well, of course, he's not limited, is he? And as I thought about these, and these are just thoughts that come to my way away, in which God has spoken to me, or ways from the scripture, he speaks through a word of prophecy to us. He can prophesy. He can prophesy here in the meeting. And God speaks. He, he speaks to us through tongue and interpretation. He speaks to us through dreams. He speaks to us through visions, which are just dreams when we're awake. It says in Acts 2, in these days he will speak to young and old with dreams and visions. You think, oh, that was all Old Testament. No, it's not. It's as much real and alive in the New Testament. Sometimes he sends angelic visitations. Well, that's a mystery in itself, isn't it? You will listen. If an angel turns up in your room, nine foot tall, banging his head on the ceiling and speaking to you, you'll go, whoa, I think God's speaking here. <coughs> the audible voice of God. Remember Saul's conversion. Jesus speaks to him clearly out of heaven. The others around don't hear it, but Jesus hears clearly the words of the Lord speaking to him. Circumstances in your life. Remember Jonah, the storm, that was God speaking. Wise counsel. We're to listen to our elders. Listen to the mature in our church. Children, you're supposed to listen to your mother and your father. Why? Because they can speak wisdom to you. Peace that visits our heart is God speaking. You might be in a troubled situation going on a course that you're not sure about and yet you feel a tremendous peace as though God is saying, it's fine, keep going, keep going. He's speaking to you in peace. Hearing God speak through other people, something they say just jumps at you and you say, I know it's them talking, but they're speaking the very words of God. A direct thought into your mind. I've woken many times and heard the voice of God speaking to me, just as I wake in that time, just waking, hearing the voice of God. We look at natural surroundings, and God speaks to us through the mountains and the rivers and the trees. The whisper of God the still small voice. To hear the whisper of God, you've got to cut out all other noises. You've got to sit quietly in a quiet place. You've got to bring your mind to stop and allow God to whisper into your heart. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through Bible teachers. He speaks through the actions of other people. Let me share this with you. This is current. I stay when I go to Chingford with an elderly couple. They're in the 80s. For some reason, they decided to download some money from uh, you know, these companies who are prepared that you paid your mortgage off to, to lend you money and you pay it back when you die and sell the house. They downloaded this money. They're in the 80s. And they just spent about £20,000 doing their house up. And I think to myself, why on earth are you doing that? It doesn't 
doesn't make sense to me. Why would you do that? Why? And God, God, or I thought it was God, I'm not sure. This thought came to me. They're putting their house in order. Isn't that interesting? Now, yeah. is one of them or both of them going to pass away? Maybe. Maybe God's tried to tell me before. Would I do anything with that? Absolutely nothing. Would I go and tell them that? Absolutely not. Would you ever meet them? Most certainly not. And I'm not telling you that they are anyway. But is it possible? Is it possible? That's how God speaks, you see. In mysteries and secrets. In personal prayer, God speaks. Jesus himself can appear and speak. I've heard lots of testimonies of Muslims where Jesus just turns up. They get saved. They just get converted. He talks to them in their vision, in their dream, so directly, they go and they get up and they're Christians. I've heard lots of those. We must commit ourselves to hearing the voice of God. And he will speak in abundance. It's a mystery and a secret. But it's what God does. And what he wants to do. Amen. Amen. Okay. I have something to relay to you. Uh, to share with you. You know I've come back in the capacity of someone to help the leadership here. And church moves on. It's the same in that we turn up every Sunday and we worship and pray. But church moves on, changes happen. So I want to just convey some changes that are taking place. We've had to release from the employment of this church excellence. Not for any bad reason. Simply because the church here is in debt of about £20,000. So we can't justifiably pay someone to do something and have this debt remaining all the time, it's dishonourable. And so that some of the debt's to the tax man, some is to people who have loaned us the money, and some of it is to, um, to pay off the retention on this building. That all has to be paid in this year. So unless God was to give us £20,000, we don't seem to have any option but to move in this direction. So uh, technically she's still employed, until the end of this month and then she's released from her employment. That doesn't mean she leaves or that's completely different how she conducts her spiritual walk with the Lord but we can no longer do that. So I need to tell you that. Now if you've got questions about these things you can talk to the leaders, talk to Paul and Florence or talk to myself after because we want to be open and honest with things. Now what happens in the church, all sorts of rumours go out uh, but we mustn't listen to rumours. Go to the source and ask the source, and, and go, go with that. Okay, so, so that's that. Um, the trustees who have served you, uh, at least two of them have served you for the last 10 or 11 years. That's Jantha and Linda Rakers. Uh, it's, a, it's a tiring job. They've had a very difficult time in the last few years working through all of this stuff. And they're ready to step down and have a break from the whole thing. Also, Sunil, I think you've been three or four years? Four years. Three years. He's been three years, and he's to step down. So we're changing the trustees. And the trustees will be myself, 
John Boardman, some of you know John and Peggy who lead the Healing Ministries. Uh, Sam is joining us, Sam Butler, and Esther Jones. Esther sort of came in before, after Linda and is transitioning to be with us. So there are four trustees. Now, there could be more than four. If you is something that you would want to do, then we could consider that, put it to the leaders and put it to the trustees, and uh, that number can increase. There's no set number of, of trustees. Sometimes it's manageable with a certain number. If it gets too many, it's, it's a bit difficult. If it's too, full, too small, it doesn't function well at all. So there's that. The third thing I have to share with you is about uh, a relationship that we might enter in with with Redeemer Church. We heard this morning that uh, Redeemer Church are putting on the ladies' breakfast. And they've approached us, I think at least three years ago, Redeemer Church, and said, could we have some sort of work in relationship? Now, you go, what does this mean? Well, if you ask me lots of questions, what does it mean? I can't be honest, I don't know. But that's quite normal in a relationship. Boy meets girl. Boy says to girl, will you come out with me? He gives him one hook and says, well, he hasn't got horns on his head, okay, let's go out. That's not what it takes. That's what it takes. Just if there's no horns, you go for it, okay? But where's that relationship going? You don't know. Maybe you go out once and go, oh, it's all right. He's a bit mean, but you're all right. Okay. Then you might go out two, three, four, five, and in the end you go, this isn't going anywhere. So you just back off. That's what relationship is. If you find it's working and he's, ooh, he's better than you thought he was, and he's got two horns, he's nice and kind and gentle and he's getting on, the relationship goes deeper and deeper. And there's a commitment, and in that commitment then, anything can happen. Okay, you can move on to something deeper. That's true of all relationships, isn't it? If it's a friend, you're thinking, oh, she seems a nice person, then along the road you go, no, she wasn't as nice as I thought. And so you back off. I understand that. You're not forced to do it. So they made overtures to us about two to three years ago about working closer together. Like I say to you, I don't know what that means. But the, the trustees and the leaders at this time have made the decision, let's, let's see if, if there's something good in this. Now, how big are they? Well, they have 200 and something people. Uh, they've got a big budget. Uh, they're part of a big organisation. And we are just small, independent ourselves. But let me tell you something that I've learned. There is something precious that they need that they haven't got. If this union is of God, if it is, I'm not pushing anything, if it's of God, they get as much as we get, and they might get more. Let me give you a clear example of this. I've done many missions, you know that. You turn up at a country, and they're so poor, they've got nothing. And you go there, you're everything. You've got the money, you've got the resources, you've got the oomph, you've got everything, you've got the knowledge, you've got everything. And when you get to this country and you meet these people, you discover the sacrifices they're making, how much they love God more than you in more difficult situations. You realise and discover things that you would never see. <coughs> Yet we're the strong ones and they're the small ones. What have we got that they need? 
God knows that we have something that they need. So don't look like you're the poor relation entering into something with this rich relation and everything flows from them to you. That's not true. See, God's interested in the heart. When I was just worshipping here this morning, I thought, what a precious group of people, passionate for God who have been through the mill, you've been through some difficult stuff, you've stayed together, you've stood strong. That's a gem. See, you're the crackpot. You get it? That's what you were talking about. Uh, Linda didn't know I was going to share this. What God is saying in the story was, we are the crackpot. They're the whole pot, the big pot. They... They are proud. They've got all the money. I'm not saying they're proud. Please, I didn't say that. They, they've, got all, they've got all the resources. They've got everything. And we're the crack pot. But it's on our side of the path that we see the flowers grow. You see? I'm not saying anything negative about them. I'm just saying sometimes the weaker, smaller, it seems more insignificant. But in the economy of God, we, we are the precious ones that God is wanting to bring to them. They can bring some stuff to us, we can bring some stuff to them. Will it be a good relationship or not? If it's not a good relationship, we simply say, we've had enough of this, I don't want to see you again, I'm not coming over you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But if it's good, we'll embrace it and move on. Now, I can open that up to questions, but I think I've told you everything I know. I'm not shutting you down before I've answered your questions, because I don't know any questions. All I know is from this week, we're going to solid something up, which means absolutely nothing, to say, let's move together, somehow together, and see what's in it for us. Are you with me? Yes. Okay, you're with me. Okay. And I really, I really, now, we've done this several times before. Uh, remember with Petra Church, some of you will remember this, we tried to have and now I'm going out. Remember that sort of relationship? It didn't work, did it? No. no. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You can't make it work because it's about relationship, it's about heart. It could have worked, something good, good, God could have done something, but it didn't. So we just said, bye. Enjoy Jesus. We're going to enjoy Jesus over here. It's fine. We love you, but we're not going to walk with you. So that's sort of how the thing works. Okay. All aboard? If you're not on a ball, want to talk to me, absolutely fine. Uh, and I can, I can give you what I think, but I've already told you what my thinking isn't worth a life. It's what God is saying. It's so important. Should we pray together? Let's pray.